You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Hey, Al McCoy here, and you are listening to the Solar Panel, the Phoenix Sun Show. Hi there, and welcome to another edition of the Sun Solar Panel podcast. This is a midweek audio-only episode. Thank you for joining. Really appreciate it. We have a special guest on, but before I go to the special guest, I just want to say my name is Dave King. You always listen to me on these pods. My partner is Zona Hoops. How's it going today, Zona? Doing well. Uh, always excited to talk about the the trade deadline. It's the most exciting time of the year outside of the off season, I'd say. So uh, we have a great guest on today, and I'm looking forward to getting into it. Yeah, absolutely. The guest we have today is Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report. He is uh, hopefully best selling author at this point, but at least <laughs> a very uh, uh, good author. He wrote a great book uh, that released last year, and uh, Jake is a is a big NBA insider. He hears a lot of things. He's talked to a lot of the a lot of the folks around the league in the NBA, and so uh, we just want to pick his brain today. Uh, Jake uh, is is uh, is dialed in, like I said. So Jake, let's just kick this off. First of all, thank you for joining us. I appreciate you taking time out of your day for us. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, it's getting busy, um, and I think you know we're still a, a bit away from a lot of deals happening. But obviously, Cam Radish got moved today to New York, and the phone lines are lighting up. So yeah, it's uh, a lot to talk about. So thanks for having me. Had you heard anything uh, uh, more other than uh, had you heard about the Cam Reddish thing, uh, anything concrete before it happened, or was that kind of one of those out of the blue deals? Um, there's definitely been talk that the Hawks have been looking to create roster spot openings. Um, so Solomon Hill going out of that deal. Um, I mean, Solomon Hill leaving Atlanta to create at least one roster spot was something that I wrote about that came out this morning before the deal went through. Um, and, th- and I talked to someone with Cleveland um, late yesterday afternoon. Um, all the days are starting to blur together. Yeah. Um <laughs> We're recording this on Thursday. So, yeah, like late Wednesday, someone from Cleveland said, you know, the Cavs are pretty insistent that they're going to get a first-round pick. Um, so if we want Cam, like we have to put one on the table. But, you know, they weren't ready to do that yet. Um, and, you know, I, I would ex- – I mean, the Hawks have been characterized as one of the more active teams here. There's probably going to be more moves to come. And I think that's part of – partially why that deal went through quickly here is that it, it, it gives Atlanta some more flexibility to potentially up, upgrade their roster further. 
Yeah, I heard later that Kevin Knox went back in the deal, so I, I think they got maybe one roster spot out of that then, but that's better than what they had. Um, okay, so on the so the Cam Reddish thing, that's been that, that is that how rumors kind of that's I think that's how trades happen, where you find out the player is available and kind of the parameters of what's expected back by the team that's that's wanting to trade the players. And then all of a sudden something happens. And in this case, it was a few weeks early. Other cases would be right in the last second before the trade deadline. Is that how most of the deals happen? Uh, or do you hear about a lot of the deals before they happen? Or are most of the actual deals that happen the ones that happen in a vacuum and you didn't know? Um, I think every trade is different, right? Like certain teams don't share too much information or certain deals to stay quiet and others don't. Other teams, certain teams, their moves are always out there, right? Like, for example, I even asked someone this week, like, why am I always hearing what you guys are up to? And he's like, we are pretty forthright. Like, we tell teams what we're looking to do because there's no sense in in, in skipping around it. Like, if you want to make a deal get done, like, we just tell everyone this is what we want. This is what we're looking for. This is what our players would cost. And we're upfront about that. So I think for me, like, my approach – to finding out how they're happening is different than how it happens in reality. Like how a deal goes from being talked about between the actual two teams um, and it coming to fruition. But, you know, you mentioned the Jalen Smith thing um, earlier. So like for that example, like I, I included Boston's interest on him in my story today because, you know, someone first reached out to me about it um, and someone who like clearly is interested in Jalen Smith, maybe not to go acquire him, but just curious what, a lot of guys who work for teams and work in front offices are just like fans who have players on teams that they like or they're curious what that guy's going to get moved for, what that guy's going to get signed for as a, as a um, free agent. And like those hypothetical conversations are what usually I'm talking about to, to kind of, you know, poke around and understand the, the, the details that are going on behind the scenes. Um, and, you know, then I asked like five or six people from other teams, like, hey, have you heard, uh, you know, the, the Celtics offer Jalen Smith? And then once that, like, my approach is once stuff has kind of been echoed around um, from enough people that are not involved in the situation, then I go to the people I can involve in the situation, whether it's Boston or Phoenix or Jalen Smith's representatives. Like, I try to contact as many people who would know, bringing the, like, not being, I don't want to say armed with because that makes it too aggressive, but like bringing actual, you know, if you just call someone and say like, Hey, is this happening? Like they have no real reason to give you any information. Right. But right. if you are coming to them saying, I, I know this, I'm going to write it, but I want to come to you and uh, try to get your perspective to make sure I am sharing accurate information about your life and your job and your career trajectory. Like I found people generally are pretty understanding of that. Um, so that's like my approach. But I think for deals getting done, like that Jalen Smith type thing, to, to, to go an example and, and to be a shill in my book, you know, when the Celtics traded for Isaiah Thomas back in 2015, the Celtics were interested in Isaiah Thomas in free agency that summer, right? And then mm-hmm. when that season started poorly after the whole 2013-14 fun team, that almost made the playoffs and the two-headed monster with Goran and Eric Bledsoe. But then obviously they brought an IT and it wasn't 
you know, simpatico. The Celtics called pretty quickly early in December and said, hey, um, you know, if if you're interested in moving Isaiah at all, let us know. We'd like him. That was around like December 15th, just like this year where that December 15th trade window is approaching and myself and some other reporters, you know, write a couple of things about early trade chatter and then, you know, there's a second win as we get closer to the deadline, like what's happening right now. But right now we're still mostly in, you know, teams are saying which guys they're willing to listen on and our guys are, are looking to move and other te- and teams are saying also what they're looking to go and do. And there's more like loose ends, right? So like the jazz want wing depth as everybody knows. And the Hawks, for example, wanted to move Cam Reddish has been out there dating back to the draft and as you get closer and closer the more conversations these teams have and the more they evaluate their teams and their situations like deals get closer to the table or something is an outside pressure on that conversation like atlanta needing to create extra roster space to go out and do a bigger move sometimes deals get done quickly um most of the time like with around the deadline like with jeremy grant um and maybe to a lesser extent, Miles Turner. I mean, there's definitely talk that Miles Turner could get moved, um, like, relatively soon. Like, I, I, I expect Jeremy Grant to kind of be held up until the final minute to draw a bidding war. But, um, you know, those certain things get influenced by the general activity and interest in those players. Um and teams try to obviously generate the most trade value back. So, um, yeah, I get a lot of – there's a lot of inklings of what is happening. Like I knew the Knicks had talked about Cam Reddish, for example, and I knew the Hawks wanted to um, get move out on Solomon Hill and the Knicks had been gauging Kevin Knox's trade interest. Like all those pieces I knew, but them coming together. No, I didn't know it before it happened. When when, when I got the alert, I didn't have that, but yeah, all those pieces were very heard inklings from different angles. Right. Totally. Yeah. And that's, that's a really good point about, uh, you know, sometimes like the rumors don't always come to fruition right away. It could, you know, like for instance, for Jalen Smith, it could be the Celtics are interested and the Suns hanging on to him. But then this offseason, you see them, you know, outbid the Suns to to acquire him. So there's always stuff that connects uh, bigger picture. Mm-hmm. But uh, what have you heard about Jalen Smith as far as uh, is there anything outside of Boston or what's the general feel just off, based off of his improved play? Yeah, the only two teams I've really heard as legitimate landing spots dating back to last summer when there was definitely talk in, you know, summer league time when they were starting him and then throughout the preseason when he's getting a lot of minutes like they were. And then obviously got backed up by the fact that they did not pick up his option. Um, They were clearly trying to showcase him. And I think he was open to a change of scenery that would provide him more playing time. Um, and San Antonio was definitely mentioned a lot back then. I think that was when the Dario Sarge rumors were really starting to percolate um, and Thad, because that was the real way to make like salaries work there. But the Spurs talk for Jalen has definitely died down. Um, the Boston stuff, I think, um, has been more recent. I don't necessarily have much more context that I can like share for sure. Um, I I think I think it was mostly Boston reaching out versus Phoenix calling Boston. Though I'll say that, and, and I don't I don't I don't know if there's really anyone on Boston that is available that is on the Suns' wish list. But you know, from talking to someone close to that dynamic, like the fact that Jalen's playing now and he's in the rotation and he's even right. playing some four, and it's kind of opened up his 
uh, flexibility in that lineup and he's getting more playing time. Um, you know, the front office, I think, I mean, they gave the number 10 pick to him. I mean, they used the number 10 pick on him, right? Like, obviously, they believed in him. Um, but he had, he clearly has not been someone that Monty Williams has wanted to use in his lineup on a regular basis. So, um, I, I think we'll see. I think there is a chance he sticks around for sure. Um, but there's also definitely a strong op- opportunity for him to get moved. Yeah, you mentioned in your article today about Dennis Schroeder is on. Is, there's a strong possibility he's traded ahead of the, ahead of the deadline for the Celtics uh, because of that um, muted contract that he ended up signing this offseason. That would actually be a workable trade of Jalen Smith for Dennis Schroeder. Um, but have you heard anything specific on that? You kind of just put those two in the same section. But had you heard them linked at all? Yeah, um, I I believe that is probably. I have good reason to believe that was the offer that Boston made. Yeah, but I don't want to miss. I, I don't know for sure if it was like a firm offer, right? Like I think sure. it was something that, that just that's to see awesome. how Phoenix would react. It's kind of like when you ask somebody out on a date, right? It's like, yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't really mean it. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, yeah. I I think uh, Dennis would would be the clear outgoing. I mean, just like you said, the salaries match. Boston's looking to offload him. Um, to replace him with a younger player who probably will be making less money. Um, and they don't really seem to have much front court, uh, you know, punch outside of Robert Williams. And Al Horford is not going to be around forever, unfortunately, for uh, Celtics fans. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I think it's fair to say that Dennis would be the, the likely trade partner for that scenario. Yeah, and it looks like in the West, like the landscape has changed so much just with all the injuries, you know, Dame and and Paul George going out. So do you see both those teams kind of just, you know, rebuilding and just uh, going in full full rebuild mode? Or what's kind of the temperature on that situation? Yeah, I'm curious to see what Portland does. I mean, the fact that Joe Cronin is hiring assistant general managers um, and he's also terminated some people in Portland as well, um, like – Clearly, he has influence to make significant changes to the Blazers' basketball operations, and that would include the roster. Mm-hmm. And there's not a lot of benefit to the Blazers for, for for Dame to go undergo surgery and come back and and be. I mean, he'll he'd, he'd first be reevaluated in five to six weeks, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, that takes us well past the trade deadline. That takes us to early March at this point. Um, you know, will, will Portland really, without Dame for the, the next six weeks, CJ's status is continuing to be unclear. I know they beat Brooklyn the other night, but um, there was no James Harden in that game. And I, I just don't know what really is the benefit. And every executive I talk to who's not in Portland says, like, if I was Portland, I would do what Golden State did, and which they didn't do it last year, which I think um, – People kind of forget that they – people talk about the Warriors model as just like one-year tank. I think the the Raptors model really is the one-year tank where they went out and got Scotty Barnes and now they're back. And they weren't like the championship contender that the Warriors were without Kawhi. But um, I think we need to call it the Raptors model more so than the Warriors model. That's my new soapbox that I'm on. Um, <laughs> and, you know, it, it makes a lot of sense for Chicago to not – not really care to compete this year. I mean, it has to be something that Damian Lillard's on board with, and they're going to operate 
with the full intention of trying to optimize Damian Lillard to compete for a championship and hope he wants to stick around. That's, that's, that's going to be the case in Portland. Um, but if, so, but they have a clear crossroads here or inflection point where they can sell off and tank and get a top lottery pick and try to add someone of real significant upside to pair with Dame. Um, but they can also do that while also making moves for the better. Like if they unload CJ McCollum in one deal, but also move out Yusuf Nurkic to get Miles Turner and get a center that you think is better and have him already in your program for when Dame comes back next season in a hypothetical scenario where he is out for the year. Like I think like Miles Turner to Portland keeps coming up a bunch. So I think that it would have to be for Yusuf though, right? I mean, obviously exactly. you don't play them together. So exactly. Um, and that, but then that becomes complicated, I guess. Yeah. Unless so, Indiana wants Yusuf back. Exactly. So there's a there's like a lot of different options that Portland can do. The one thing that you can absolutely bank is that at the end of whatever moves they make, they will not be a tax team. They're not going to pay the tax for a team that. Um, is going to struggle to make the play, the playoffs, let alone right. um, compete for where they were hoping to be competing this season. Well, if they're lucky, they'll do the uh, Toronto model and not the Suns model, where you think you're just going to retinker, and then ten years later, you're you, you might get lucky. So yeah. I'm I'm rooting for Dame that he doesn't get stuck in the in a Suns model kind of rebuild. Um, all right, so what is Jake, what's the wildest story you've heard so far? Rumor, you know, think you're like, oh my, if that kind of thing happens, as far as a player being available or a team looking for, you know, unexpectedly to blow things up, what do you think? I mean, wild would be Philly unloading Tobias in a Ben Simmons trade. That would be very unlikely, um, but something that they're clearly starting to talk about. Um, like something I can say that is like legitimate. Um, I mean, the John Collins dynamic is fascinating too. I mean, I don't think it's that wild, but I don't think people thought it was a reality two weeks ago. And here we are now. He has been in a situation dating back to his contract uh, negotiations um, this time or early bird contract negotiations before last season started. And they were not, you know, ceremonious and his representatives were, pushing for him to potentially get traded then, but it didn't make sense for Atlanta because of his low salary. And now his salary is higher. It's a little more difficult to move him, but it's not a Tobias contract. He makes like $23 million. So you could either, you could even attach money to him to go out and get somebody, or um, I don't know who is like better than John Collins that's available right now. Um, I mean, they're clearly trying to target Ben Simmons, um, but then there's a log jam with Ben and Tobias and that's why the Tobias three team stuff I think is coming up and same with, you know, Sacramento situations where they bring back someone that in Harrison Barnes salary. Like then I think, you know, do they want both Harrison Barnes and Tobias Harris on the books at, the, at, at those big numbers, like $50 million in those two guys is not exactly a recipe for championship success, no matter how good Joel Embiid is. So, but I'd be surprised that Tobias got moved. That It's that just, and it was surprising to me to hear his name come up because of that, but it's not surprising to keep saying that word that Daryl and the Sixers are exploring those options. Yeah, for right. sure. Uh, yeah. Um, are there any other like Phoenix Suns rumors that you've heard, whether it's, you know, maybe players that they're shopping or potentially players that they could be interested in or have been linked to even dating back to the off season possibly? 
Yeah. I mean, Dario's contract gets brought up time and again. It's something that they're trying to move, which makes sense. Yeah. Um, I think they just know it's them and Golden State and Utah, and they've got as good a shot as anybody to win the title. And they saw what one move like getting Chris Paul can do for you. And they saw what you know, smaller subsequent moves like getting Jay Crowder can do for you. And I think they'd love to continue to – I mean, the Jazz are active and looking to – upgrade their wing rotation and they will be active on the buyout market trying to get wing guys as well. Um, I think Phoenix is just kind of trying to keep improving on the edges as they can. I haven't really heard much else in terms of targets and whatnot. I mean, when I sit back and think about what is obvious um, and I haven't called anybody in Phoenix recently, to be honest, Um, there is someone that, I had been meaning to check in with this week and just got bogged down. Um, but um, so there's there might be more clear intentions, but no other rival front offices have said like, oh, Phoenix has talked about this, blah, 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 outside of Jalen and Dario. So I can't imagine there's too much. I mean, they're also a title contender that has a bunch of guys under long-term contract with a pretty deep rotation. Like they're really – what would you guys want to see them do like outside of getting another, like a third guard and maybe another big man to be a platoon behind DeAndre Ayton? Yeah, actually the Suns are pretty deep on that, on the big man right now. Cause they've got all those centers and even Bismack Biombo off the street turned right, out. They had a Bismack, yeah. yeah. So I think they're, they're okay there where, um, where, we think there's a little bit of need is someone who's as good as or better than Tory Craig last year, who left to go to Indiana for a two year, $10 million deal um, to rotate in, even if it's only a 20 minute uh, game role as a bigger uh, uh, swing forward because the Suns don't play a power forward, a traditional yeah. one. You so mentioned get in your Tory article, <laughs> what'd you say? So they could get Tory Craig back. The, the Pacers are definitely yeah. open for <laughs> I'd rather they look at a couple of other guys that I want to ask you about. Uh, one you mentioned in your article today, the Hornets are looking at offloading PJ Washington. And that one surprised me. I had not heard that. And if you actually look at that, PJ Washington is a six, seven big forward guy. I'm assuming he could play um, uh, a little bit of a uh, small ball five, but also just is a nice mobile forward. He makes his threes, which is perfect for the sun's offense. I mean, that would be ideal, and his salary would actually match up with Jalen Smith. I don't know if that's what the Hornets are looking for. Do you have? Do you know what the Hornets are looking for in return for a P.J. Washington? Yeah, I mean, the Hornets have been looking for a big man for a long time, and they band-aided the, um, the position with Mason Plumlee this year. Hasn't really worked out more than, you know, I mean, I, I, I have a, I have a, a personal – relationship with the Plumley family not too too personal but I did a story on uh on Miles and um going to Burning Man and uh I I think the Plumleys are great people and uh funny guys to talk to so Mm -hmm. um, I'm a little biased but Mason at this stage of his career is not going to be a game changer for a Mm -hmm. playoff team as a starting center he's just not so they're still involved in Miles Turner obviously I don't know if Jalen's really going to move the needle for them. Um, maybe they would take um, a flyer on him, but the PJ situation is mostly due to, I mean, he, I mean, the expression of like odd man out for contract purposes, but also rotationally wise, like he just hasn't really 
he's more of a four man than a five. I mean, he has played a lot of small ball five for them, but he hasn't been like he's never he's had plenty of opportunity to become their their full time center, and he hasn't. I mean, I, I like PJ Washington as well, but I think mm-hmm. they are just they're going to pay Miles Bridges over him, and I think they like Cody Martin in that type of role and the money he can get, and they don't want to be a tax team. So anything they take back, short of it being someone who like Miles Turner, um, I don't know how they'd value Mobamba, but I would imagine teams would value Mobamba over Jalen Smith, right? Um, so like, and, and if the Hornets buy him and think he can actually become something, you know that's an opportunity there. But I think the important aspect on sending out PJ Washington is that it's, it's a, it's a salary. It would be a salary minded move for the Hornets. Mm. Um, so I don't know if, if they're taking back Jalen Smith, they'd have to be confident they could get him at a number that wouldn't really muddy up that other decision-making that they have planned. Yeah. That's the thing is you just don't know what Jalen Smith, if he's given a role that he could, get 20, 25 minutes a game in this year, he's going to outplay that 4.7 million max that any uh, acquiring team was is is capped at offering him. So that does make it a little hard. One more player I wanted to ask you about, and sorry, Zona, um, uh, is, and you were probably going to ask this one too, so I'm, I'm maybe jumping the gun on you, but have you heard anything about Kenrich Williams being available in Oklahoma City? How dare you? <laughs> <laughs> You know, I'm sure the Thunder would be open to calls, and he's a name that every single fan base seems to want. For I mean, Kendrick Williams is fun. I actually wrote a story with, about him with him um, when I was at Sports Illustrated about his haircut, um, and also just a general draft profile because he is a good player, and um, he's definitely a Swiss Army knife that I think could play interesting postseason minutes on the cheap for a lot of teams. So I'm sure they'll get calls on him, definitely. I haven't explicitly heard his name mentioned by any person in the league yet. Um, people mostly talk about OKC as a dumping ground for contracts. Like they've mentioned the possibility of Serge Ibaka going there um, uh, for just like a second-round pick being attached to him. And that move would save the Clippers $40 million. Um, so they're mostly talking – I mean, that's what the Jazz did to um, create a roster spot. Uh, of their own, traded Mie One uh, to Oklahoma City for with a second round pick and that type of stuff. So I'm sure they're, I mean, they traded Hamidou Diallo last year at the deadline because they were uh, not, they didn't want to pay him. Lou Dort is going to be available. I mean, his name's kind of been out there being, dating back to the draft. They have a high price on him. I don't know what the price would be on Kendrick, Kendrick Williams. Um, I don't have a sense of it. I don't know anyone who's called and asked, but he's definitely someone a lot of team, a lot of fan bases seem to want on their team. Yeah, I think he has like the best, one of the best contracts in the league. It's just like really low maintenance guy that can fill a role pretty easily for any contender. So that's that's probably why all these fan bases, yeah. myself included, have have kind of shouted from the rooftops to trade for like him or even like Muscala or something for Smith because those salaries would match. Hey, let's take just a quick second to talk about our friends at DraftKings. The NFL playoffs are here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, is kicking things off with a huge offer. Counting down to Super Bowl 56, new customers can get 56 to 1 odds on any wildcard team winning their game. Bet just $5, and you win 280 in free bets if your team is victorious. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes 
also with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contests. Download DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TBPN and get 56 to 1 odds on any NFL team. Bet just $5 and win 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN this wildcard weekend at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. you got to be 21 years or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or PA. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Uh, have you heard anything about DeAndre Ayton's contract? I know he was, there's something that came out about the Pistons being interested in, in uh, maxing him. Uh, I'm sure the Suns are going to match whatever gets offered, but have you heard anything there? Nothing new. Um, I mean, the winning has obviously has to help his case, and I think the postseason success will help his case. I think the only thing to keep in mind is just that the John Collins situation right now, right? Like the Hawks never wanted to pay him what he wanted to get paid. And, you know, think back to Gordon Hayward in Utah, 2014 restricted free agency. Mm -hmm. They let, they went out and let Utah or let Gordon test the waters. He got an offer sheet. They matched it. But when it was time for him to be the big fish and be the free agent of the market, that whatever year it was, 2018, 2019, um, like he left Utah, right? Um, John Collins is, Probably, I mean, he went on the record with the Athletics saying yeah. he's committed to Atlanta, but it definitely seems like he's open to a different destination. Um, and he's he's felt spurned by that front office in the past. So, well, this he is ended a- up taking a lot less, right? Like you you wrote about that. I think it, he wanted four by one twenty, and he got five by one twenty five. So yeah, and that, that's a that's a negotiating tactic that teams will use all the time, where they'll move. They'll give they'll give a player the money that they want, but over one less year or one more year than they would want it at, right? Um, just to kind of, I mean, it's a negotiation at the end of the day. Um, so, I really would be surprised, especially on the trajectory the Suns are on. I'd be surprised if they don't match anything he gets, and he's not Phoenix's starting center next year. But he's a young guy; he'll be back on the market in not too long, a blink of an eye, honestly, in the grand scheme of things. And I'm sure he'll remember how those talks went. So I'll just be curious to see if that ever does rear its ugly head in the long term. Yeah, for sure. That's a great point as far as, you know, players, they don't forget that stuff. So hopefully the Suns have handled it well behind the scenes. Obviously, everything we hear is just kind of the noise. (laughs) Until then, we just don't know. Yeah. Yeah, one thing I really like about Aiden though is he he looks he appears to be incapable of not being genuine, right? Like mm-hmm. he is he is genuine, uh, and you know he needs a little bit of prodding, and he's okay. He admits he needs a little prodding to get his energy up and stuff. Sometimes, I mean, that's not something a normal athlete would ever admit, but he's willing to admit it. And that same guy has been on the record saying, "Look, man, I'm not going to worry about this contract stuff. It doesn't bother me." What happens, happens. It'll get done when it gets done. Um, we didn't make last year's deadline. That's okay. We'll just talk again next summer. I'm not going to worry about it. And so all I can do is from past evidence of who uh, DeAndre Ayton is, hopefully, that it's not going to be something that festers and makes him frustrated. Because like you said, Gordon Hayward, nice guy. But he ended up wanting to leave the Jazz. And John Collins, supposedly nice guy. And 
may end up wanting to leave Atlanta because of the way he got, he felt like he got disrespected a little bit. So I'm not saying that um, Aiden can't, doesn't deserve to want to leave and get respected somewhere else. I'm just saying, I think he doesn't live and live, eat and breathe on that kind of stuff. He, he, he just wants to play well and have fun and play games. I got one more person to ask you about that I can think of right now. You mentioned in your article today that, uh, teams are circling Dorian Finney-Smith as a strong candidate. Is you mean in trade like the the Mavericks would be willing to trade him during the year because he's going to be a restricted unrestricted free agent? Yeah, the um, they both they have both Jalen Brunson and Dorian set for unrestricted free agency, just like a PJ Washington in Charlotte. Um, Dorian's Dorian is. Uh, projected to command um, a pretty sizable deal, let's say, and I don't think it's within the Mavericks price range. And they already have uh, Lucas Supermax about to come onto the books, and Kristaps's big contract. They're gonna have to pay Jalen as well. Um, so I think, and also Rick Carlisle was known to be a, one of the bigger proponents of Dorian in that franchise. Um, and Carlisle's no longer there, obviously. It's an entirely new front office regime from the guys making the decisions up top, like not a lot of other people are still there who were there before, but the people who have actual, you know, say so they're different. So um, it just seems like a clear opportunity for um, Dorian to be on the move and probably for a team that has interest in signing him next year. He makes 4 million. I mean, this is (laughs) what I'm getting out of this call is that, there are a lot of players. If the Suns are looking for a big wing to 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 come in and be a fourth wing in the rotation with Jay Crowder and Mikel Bridges and Kim Johnson, and they're willing to give up Jalen Smith, there's there's a handful of guys out there who would be great. And one of those till still being Tory Craig, but uh, there's others that are even better that might be that might be had. And so it's smart of James Jones just to watch the market, see how it unfolds. And, and strike when the time is right. I, I think there are players to be had. And Jalen Smith can only have helped himself as far as like um, desirability for a team to, to acquire him. The only catch would be uh, they would have to not necessarily want to keep him this summer. But he's a great he's a great expiring contract in that, you know, if you want to make sure you're not tied to having to re-sign somebody, um, you wouldn't have to necessarily re-sign him. Uh, so it just depends on what the other team wants back. So this is great. Um, Zona, you got any other questions for, for Jake? Uh, yeah, just the last name I'll bring up that's kind of been floated around a little bit on Sun's Twitter is uh, Eric Gordon, just because, you know, Landry Sham, it's been a little bit disappointing. Campaign's having a down year, and they kind of could use that, like, third score. Because at times, like, when Booker and Paul – don't have it going or if they're on the bench, they kind of need another shot creator. So um, what's kind of the latest you've heard on Gordon and what Houston's looking to get for him? I think the Rockets are confident they'll be able to get a first round pick of some capacity for Eric. So if that's someone that Suns fans want, um, that's the type of evaluation right now I think he's going to go for. Very proven veteran who can defend, who can score off the dribble, who's shooting over 43% from three this year I saw yesterday. Um, I'm getting a call. <laughs> um, but, yeah, uh, and now my camera is all zoomed in again for people who are – I don't understand what's happening. Yet. But to wrap it all up, yeah, I think uh, to pay for Eric Gordon, you're going to have to pay for Eric Gordon. 
that's pretty much it it's like that it's like that filter or whatever you can you know the forehead camera <laughs> sorry about that man um hey okay uh you know what i do have one last how tradable is dario's contract dario charge nine million he's uh, guaranteed for another year beyond this one at nine million so it's not like a salary dump how tradable is that as a player who wouldn't have to play this year so if you're trying to tank a year and then come back and be playable next year that'd be dario is that tradable or is that not tradable i'd i'll be curious to see i mean the one team that makes the most sense that you just mentioned in that dynamic is the clippers right and the clippers are obviously a main competitor of phoenix i don't really know how that dynamic but just like you know marcus morris for example would be a great addition for the jazz clippers are helping the jazz you know so Um, I don't know any, I can't really think of any other teams who are like kind of punting on this year, regrouping for next. I mean, maybe there's, Oh, how about Portland? Uh, Robert Covington. Yeah. I mean, that's possible for sure. Um, but yeah, outside of that, I mean, we'll see Dario has been a good player when healthy. Um, but obviously not a, not a a pro at, not a, not a, a plus athlete. Um, so um, I, I, I would assume teams would be s- skeptical of his production level after the injury. Like I, th- I think um, the salary number is interesting to stack, being that he has been a pretty successful player in the past, but his trade value right now is at its all-time lowest. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you guys so much for having me. This has been good. Yeah. Thank you. And thank you for saying, I know we uh, we're supposed to stop at the bottom of the hour. Sorry about that. Um, This is Jake Fisher. Jake, you can find his work at Bleacher Report. Uh, He's on Twitter at Jake Fisher. And you've got to set your notifications on for this guy because this guy is just as dialed in as anybody else. Uh, His his article out today had 18 different items in it uh, of players being available or, or teams looking for changes. So, so go look up Jake Fisher's work and thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, my name is Dave King. You can find me at Dave King NBA on Twitter and brightside of the sun.com on the website as well. Uh, Zona hoops. You can find him at Zona hoops underscore, put the underscore at the end and you can find him at his own website, Zona hoops.com as well as my website, brightside of the sun. So uh, thank you so much, Jake. I really appreciate your time and, and we'll touch base uh, later on. Thank you. Sounds good. Thanks, Jake. Hey, this is Dave. Before you go, I just need one more minute of your time. Being at a basketball game is such a rush. Screaming at the top of your lungs, high-fiving the person next to you, enjoying that last shot by the Suns. There's no better feeling than that instant camaraderie you get with thousands of other Suns fans at a stadium. We at brightsideofthesun.com and the Solar Panel Podcast are proud to give that game time experience to new fans every year. We call it Brightside Night. We donate game tickets to targeted groups around the Valley who've never had a live game experience. Over the past five years, that's been underprivileged kids. We've sent over 10,000. This year, we're focusing on healthcare heroes and first responders who've put their lives on the line to save others. Now we want to give back to them. Let's thank them with tickets to the February 16th Suns-Rockets game. All it costs you is 11 bucks. What you get out of it is not only the satisfaction of helps, helping somebody, but also of getting something for yourself. You're either in a raffle at the very least, or you get gifts, you get goods, you get tickets, whatever it is. 
you make a donation, you also get something out of it. Go to sons.com slash brightside. That's sons.com slash brightside. Brightside's one word. Make your donation now. It only takes a couple of minutes and you're not even going to miss the money. That's one of the proudest accomplishments of my life to do this. And I hope it's going to be one of yours too. That's contributing to Brightside Night is a huge deal. That's sons.com slash brightside.